Hello and welcome to Mr. Free Talk Radio Podcast with your hosts, Theo Free and Nikki Henderson. Join in the conversation as everyday people talk about everyday life. Now turn your listening device up because we are going live. And once again, welcome to our listeners across the world listening to Free Talk Radio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We have two great guests with us today, and of course, they are sisters. Uh, no, not Tia and Tamara, but Desiree and Ida. See, close enough, right? Yeah. <laughs> Desiree is a close and personal friend of the family. Uh, she's one of my wife's best friend, and she has become a friend of mine as well. Desiree have um, a lot of experience with uh, business planning, and she's been um, a comptroller, it was, for uh, quite a long time. And her sister, Ida, is one of our nation's great educators. She's been in the yes. business for quite some time now, and she has uh, lots of knowledge with uh, a lot of important things that you would like to know today. And so... We're going to just step aside for a minute. And of course, not forgetting my great host, Nikki. He's here with Hello. us. Nikki has a book out right now that is called My Greatest Blessing. There you go. Uh, you can get her book at um, wherever books are sold. Amazon. Yep. Barnes and Nobles. My Greatest Blessings. Memoirs of a Single Mom. Memoirs of a Single Mom. All right. Be sure to go out and pick it up and give Nikki that single mom boost, okay? And, uh, well, ladies, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for taking time out of your busy days and your busy schedule. We know that this, this time and period is a very busy one, and we do appreciate you spending a few moments with the podcast. So why don't you, ladies, jump right in and introduce yourself. We're going to start with Ida. Hello, thank you for having me here today. I am very happy to be here. Uh, my name is Ida. I am a high school English teacher. I've been teaching with the New York City Department of Education for 19 years. Um, I started out teaching seventh grade for four years, and then I was the instructional um, technology support for the borough of Brooklyn for two years, and then I moved to Staten Island, and I've been teaching in high school there ever since. I also have two children. One is 21 years old and she just graduated from college um, debt-free. So we, we can eventually maybe talk about how I was able to do that. Um, oh, whoa, whoa, don't, don't get away with yourself though, Ida. Okay. <laughs> All right. Real. Yeah. This is just, real. Just in case you didn't know, it's called Free Talk Radio, okay? Yes. All right. And also a little one that's 12. And that's it. But very nice. Uh, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a great pleasure to have you. Des? My name is Desiree White. Um, I've been working in financial services for over 25 years, mostly in the advertising marketing sphere. Um, my last stint was at Whitening Kennedy Advertising, which is sort of a well-known um, West Coast, East Coast Nike brand shop. And I was there for almost 18 years. 
And now I'm sort of figuring out what my next move is going to be and um, thinking I'm sort of kind of semi-retired, but open to the possibilities of what God might have for my next step. So happy to be here as well. All right. And of course, Nikki. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm Nikki. I'm, I, I'm alongside Theo on this journey. We're so excited to have y'all here today. I know it's going to be a good talk. I'm ready to dive in. I got my pen, my paper. I'm ready. Okay. All right. So we're going to throw the first question out to Ida. The first question to you is, why is saving so important? So savings is important for a few reasons. Well, I guess we all living in one right now, right? The pandemic. I know a lot of people were caught off guard. So um, savings is important for you having emergency savings. That's one type of savings. That's something you might want to save in an account that you, that's accessible to you that you can get to easily that you don't have to wait too long to get to it so it's important to have access to some liquid cash um for emergencies and then there's savings long term for like retirement and college and other long-term goals vacations and things like that and then you can do those things in different types of accounts that could grow a little bit more money Right, because when you save for emergencies, it's not going to really be an account that's going to give you a lot of money and interest. So that's the downside of that. But the upside is it's accessible. And then you have the long term savings, which you can't access right away sometimes, but it's growing at a higher rate. And it's important to have that, too, because um, we know so many people don't have enough to live on this. So elder um, care in the United States. You will not be taken care of very well if you don't prepare for your life later on. Um, you will probably live below the poverty line if you relied on the government. So um, it's important to save for your future so you won't um, struggle or suffer or have to work um, way into your golden years. So that's why it's important. All right. So with the different um, savings account out there, maybe you can just walk through some of those different uh, type of savings account. I, I know there's many like money markets and all these other crazy yeah. accounts out there. So um, uh, walk us through some of those accounts and what is the best one to start off with at this point in time, especially during this pandemic time where people want to have quick access to their money because they don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. Okay. And also, we need to know which one grow quicker in interest because I don't want to give these big banks my money to spend my money and give me one cent for every hundred dollars I put in or some crazy number or whatever. <laughs> well, that is what's going to happen. So to have quick access, you're going to give up getting a lot of interest. You're not going to have both anymore. There was a time, maybe in 2005, they were like online savings accounts giving 5% interest. Those days are long, long gone. So the, the mm -hmm. accounts that have easy access, you can have a savings account at your regular bank like Chase, um, Citibank. They're not going to give you much interest at all. You might get a little bit point of a point zero five point five of a percent. Um, if you have ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars in there, they'll they'll have little tiers that they give a little. I mean, tiny bit of interest. Um, then if you have access to a credit union, sometimes that's a better way to go. But not everyone is uh, can be a part of credit union. Sometimes it comes along with certain careers 
um, like municipal credit union is available for teachers and firefighters and police officers and other municipalities in New York City. But there are other credit unions. So if you have one that you can be a part of, Navy Federal Credit Union, if you are a veteran, um, sometimes they have a slightly better rates and they're known to have better customer service and they're known to give better rates on loans and cars and insurance and things like that. So if you can affiliate yourself with one of those banks, that might be a way to go. Um, but if you want easy, quick access to your money, you are giving up um, the great, great, the growing aspect, growing fast. Um, what the standard rule of thumb was six months in an emergency plan, six months of your savings. So if you spend $3,000 a month, let's say, on all your, your expenses, you want to have six months work. But now with the pandemic, people are saying maybe they should have more. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if I have an opinion on that yet, because this was a very scary time for for everyone. I definitely was of the rule of thumb of six months was enough to have in your emergency plan and then everything else should be in other um, accounts. So that would be my first set of accounts for quick access. Right. The banks, regular banks and credit unions, money market accounts. They don't give a lot either that online savings accounts like Capital One is one that has a money market very low. That's what I actually have myself is Capital One. I like them. Um, they have good customer service. I haven't had a problem. They have a wonderful online app that does everything. It's so intuitive, very easy to use, but they give hardly any interest now. They were giving 1%. It's like 0.5 now. It's so bad. Um, so I make pennies on my money now <laughs> in that one. But it takes two days to shoot over to my chase. I can transfer it over. It's about two days and I have it. Um, and there's no fees and penalties for that account, which I also like. That's something else you have to look out for. Some of these accounts that will promise you 2% interest, you have to make 10 transactions every month with a swipe. You have to deposit a certain amount of money every month. So you have to pay attention to all of the fine print if something sounds too good. Um, be careful. Just make sure you, you make sure you meet the requirements because there's one bank, they'll say, oh, 4% interest up to $10,000, but you have to make 10 swipes of a dollar each per month. I'm not, you know, we're going to go to CVS and buy 10 packs of gum or, you know, it's like, just, it's, it's, it's a lot to do that. So not my favorite thing to do, but some people do use that. So I just wanted to let you know. Then should I talk about long-term savings plans? Yeah, you go, you go right ahead. Okay, so long-term savings plans, I'm going to say if you have access, and I, I, this I really wholeheartedly believe, if you have access to a retirement plan, that should be your first bucket of that you first, if your company has a match. So companies will say, if you put in 6% of your salary, we'll match you 3%. You'll hear, hear a language like that. You want to at least put in enough to get your match. That's free money on the table. If you do not get it, it you're leaving money on the table. It's like walking away from $2,000. Would you do that in real life? No, right? So you wanna make sure you at least do that. Then you can open up something that's called a Roth IRA, which is another long-term savings plan because you really can't access the growth on that plan until you're 59 and a half. You can access any money you put into it. So if you put in $5,000 and one day you need it, you can take that out. But you really can't touch what has grown without paying a penalty. 
So it's uh, it's there for your retirement, and that's why they incentivize it that way. But that's like the best thing smoking because there's no, you pay no taxes. The government always wants their share. So this is the only place you're not going to pay taxes mm-hmm. on the growth ever. So, mm-hmm. so is it, so, oh, you, so you never pay taxes even if you withdraw? If, if you withdraw after 59 and a half. So if you actually stick to the rules and you don't withdraw the, the growth, the money that's it can grow thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you do not touch it to 59 and a half, you never pay taxes on that growth. So, so let me just understand what you're saying. So if I put $5,000 in and it, let's say it grow up to, I don't know, 8,000. I could touch the five, but I can't touch the three. You can't. If you touch the three, you can touch the five penalty free because that's your money. You already paid taxes on that because you okay. put it in the account after that. Like you okay. there and you put it in. That's your money. But that three thousand, you can't touch it tax free because you've never paid taxes on that growth. And typically, in a regular brokerage account, you pay twenty five percent capital gains tax. If you okay. touch anything before one year, you pay fifteen percent capital gains tax if you wait to one year in one day. So you don't want to touch growth. You don't want to touch the growth in a Roth IRA until after you are 59 and a half. And I mean, if there's an emergency, they do have hardship withdrawals and things you can work out. But otherwise, that's really for a long term. And it's the best thing. It's very small. Okay, I don't want to say it's very small. They only allow you to save $6,000 a year in that account. So you cannot go stuff. $20,000 $20,000 in there and get tax free. They're not that slick. You're not going to be that slick. It's 6,000. That is it. Um, once you max that out for the year, you can't do it again until next year. So although it will grow to millions of dollars, let's say you're 21 years old, or you can even do it. I've opened one for my daughter at 14. Cause as soon as you have a job, you can have a Roth IRA. So even if you have a baby that's in a commercial and they got paid, you could take that mm-hmm. money and open a Roth IRA as long as you have earned income. Okay, okay so, so so tell me, what really is a Roth IRA? So it's named after a person. I forgot his first name. It didn't come into legislation until 1999. And this account was, um, and I forgot the name. I forgot, but it was the first of this kind of account where you don't pay taxes, and that's what made it special. It's a retirement account to um, incentivize Americans to save for retirement so everyone's not so heavily um, reliant on Social Security only. So the, the way that this is incentivized is if you save yourself and be a good, diligent citizen, we're going to let you keep all the interest tax-free. Like Uncle Sam is not going to take their share. But again, back then in 1999, it might have only been like 2000 you could put in. Every year it goes up a little. So like last year, was only 5500 this year 6000 well last year was also 6 the year before that was 5500 but it goes up little by little over the years i don't know what it was in 1999 but it wasn't 6000 but whatever the amount is for the year that's the most you can save and grow tax free so the roth account is an account where once you put the money in you choose what you want to invest in so it's like a brokerage account a special brokerage account so for instance so- so I, I can go to uh, Bank of America or Chase and open an uh, uh, Roth they IRA do. account? I think they do, but I would choose either one of the brand names for this would be Vanguard, 
Charles Schwab or Fidelity. Those are like the big ones that are not. I feel like Chase and those other banks are going to have high fees on all of their investment um, opportunities. So all of their investment, when you say you want to invest in, let's say you want to buy a certain um, mutual fund, it's probably going to have a higher expense ratio than Vanguard is the number one in the business, to be honest. I don't have Vanguard only because their website is a little clunky and I'm a tech person. Fidelity's is really pretty and nice. So I went with them. But um, I would say Vanguard is the standard. That's probably the best uh, you can go for this. After that, Fidelity, people like Charles Schwab. Those are probably the three biggest heavy hitters in that space. I wouldn't say this is something I would do at Chase, like my local bank, not necessarily. You would go yeah. on. Go ahead, Ida, because she you has. Want, you can go ahead, Des, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say um, what I wanted to pipe in is one of the things I regret not having done is participating in my workplace Roth IRA when I was eligible at that point. Um, I was putting my money in the standard Fidelity 401k, but if I had even considered it, it would have made so much more sense to have it in a Roth because it's post-tax dollars. And as I just said, it grows tax-free. So when you take your money out, you're not paying any taxes on it. Um, I kick not necessarily always true, Des. That it will okay. be better. Because it will be better. Is, no, it, I don't think, honestly, I don't think it would have been better for you because you were a high, very high earner. So you were in a high tax bracket. So for you, it was better to de defer taxes and not pay mm -hmm. taxes. You would have paid a lot of taxes on that money. But now that you're semi-retired, you taking out that money now, you probably won't even pay 10% on any withdrawals from your 401k. So the tax optimization is something you really have to consider. Most people who don't have a pension are better off with the 401k pre-tax dollars because later on, they're going to make a lot less money. So they'll be and I did work in corporate America, so we were not getting yeah, pensions. No. So you, I'm almost sure that it would not have been better in the reverse way because you would have paid so much taxes then. I was okay. so kicking myself. It's like, I don't know why, you know, when I was eligible, I wasn't doing it. So now I feel a lot better. Thank you yeah, for that. You right, right. <laughs> okay. So, so, so one second, there's a lot of stuff going on here. So let, let's just break it down for, for our listener. So it's a, a difference between a 401k and a Roth IRA. Can you have both? You can, but if you're working, most people can only put 19500 into these accounts. And so you can put 9000 in one and then 10000 and five in the other, whatever, you know, not, you know, you, you can't go over the nineteen five. however you divide it up. You can't go over. The IRS will come and knock on your door. And okay, so <laughs> we're talking about between both accounts, correct? Between both at a job. So, see, it gets, it's tricky, and I don't want to... Confuse the listeners. Everyone is entitled to a Roth IRA. You can go open one on your own at Fidelity Vanguard, and that's a six thousand dollar limit this year. What um, Desiree is talking about is a four o k four o one k Roth, which uh, your job can offer. If you have it offered through your job, then you can actually put nineteen thousand five hundred in it because it's a 401k, which a 401k is just a tax code. So we throw out these numbers, 401k, 403b, just know those are different tax codes, not anything fancy. Okay. So, so in my regular job 401k and a Roth IRA, I could only balance 
19,000 between the both no, of them? No, so you can do 19,500 at your job, which okay. is between the Roth, the, re the pre-tax or the Roth. And then you can open your own independent, because the IRA stands for Individual Retirement Account. So you right. can open your own account with another $6,000. Those are two separate things. Your job one gives you access. Think about it as your job, because every job doesn't have a 401k plan. Every job does not. There are lots right. of people who have access to this. So everyone in the whole entire country, let's say, can open a Roth IRA, individual account, 6000 a year. If you're lucky enough to work at a place that also offers a 401k, you can then put another nineteen five. And then guess what? People who work for the government and municipalities have another account, which is called a 457. So essentially, they can put into a Roth IRA, uh, 403B, which is kind of like a 401k, and a 457. So in total, they can save like $50,000, $60,000 a year. But you, it depends on what career you take and what your job gives you access to. Well, that was a lot to digest for our listeners. So we're going to take a quick break so I can put some ice on my forehead. And we'll be right back. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Keep up to date with all the latest shows by subscribing now. Thank you for your support. Let us dive back in. Welcome back to Free Talk Radio. Uh, I, I don't know about you, but I hope that you're getting some good notes. If, just to remind you, we're talking with Desiree and Ida today. Ida's been sharing some information with us about what's the 411 on your 401k? I, that's my title. What's the 411 on your finances? And I'm telling you, we're getting some good information. So just as a follow-up, Ida, you know, someone may be listening and i always think about you know who's potentially listening maybe saying you know what i i'm i'm behind game i haven't started i'm 30 40 years old maybe 50 and i'm just not there yet i haven't started but i want to what would your advice be to that listener on where to start just simply where to start um simply i would say if you have access to a job retirement plan, which is either a 401k if you're corporate, probably pretty much. It's either, or it could be a 403b if you work for teachers or a union, or a 457. Those are the three codes, but they're essentially the same thing. Um, I would start there um, and then try to put as much as you can. If it's 5% of your, usually it goes by percent, 5%, 10%, you try to see where you can start what can you spare for now you know i look at it as pay myself first and then everything else so you kind of like pay yourself first maybe give yourself five percent people say five percent or ten percent or you pay the lord ten percent pay yourself you know things like that and so whatever you can you you would put into the job plan you would do that by reaching out to your hr human resources and it's usually a website that you need to sign up for some kind of portal or maybe some paperwork you do at work once you sign up for this job plan, which, like I said, could be a 401k, but if you don't hear that language, it's probably a 403b or 457 for you. Um, they're going to ask you to choose a retirement a investment vehicle. Like, where do you want? How risky do you want to be? So that's going to be. So once you open this plan, you have to decide, like, your risk tolerance. Can I be risky? 
Um, I don't have a high risk tolerance. I tell you right now, I'm a long term girl. Like I like my money. I'd like to sleep well at night. I'm not a day trader. I can't move and shake like that. So my just starting out um, advice would be uh, most jobs have an um, investment vehicle called a target date fund. And it usually you just pick the date when you're supposed to retire. So, okay, I'm supposed to retire in 2030 or 2040. They usually have the fund named that. That's the fund you want. A, because it's usually very ex low expense ratio, meaning you're not paying a lot of fees to be a part of that um, plan. And B, it moves it out of the risk for you little by little as you get closer to your retirement date. So you kind of don't have to look at it. It's like a set it and forget it and you know it's being taken care of. So even the very um, big experts at Vanguard, this is what they even recommend to their employees. Choose your target date fund unless you're very fancy and you know a lot and leave it there and just keep putting the money in there and it will it will pretty much um it'll be in a lot of stocks in the beginning and little by little as you get closer to retirement the money will start to move in more safe things like bonds and balanced uh, accounts and less risky investments so that would be um how i i say you should start so 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 there's in in this um pandemic world that we're living in we're living in and uh, with all these people thousands of people on the breadline don't know where the next dollar is coming from uh, a lot of them lost their jobs and their 401k and a lot of them have to like uh, i guess borrow from their 401k or actually take it out because they don't have a job to roll it over to so um for those who are listening help them through like this whole process of after you've lost your job, what to do with that money? Not just to spend it because I'm assuming that at the back end you have to pay taxes on it, right? Well, actually, you have to pay taxes when you withdraw that money. Am I correct, Ida? That money, once you take it out prior to your retirement, um, you're paying taxes on that at the time of withdrawal. So, um, you and you're job? penalized. Yeah, even if you lose your job. There's no penalty if you if, if right now there's no penalty for the pandemic they froze that so people can take it out they have to pay Uncle Sam you got to pay the Roth IRA is the only one you don't pay Uncle Sam on <laughs> so uh, because you already paid them because you already paid this one you haven't paid remember it was taken out of your check pre-tax so you have to pay up but if okay. you're not working you're paying a very little bit because remember now you're in a very low income bracket. So you're not going to pay that much. You might be in the 10%, 12% income bracket, whereas when you were working, you could have been in the 22, 25%. So you're going to pay, but you won't pay as much. So how do we work our budget in this whole situation? Well, you're going to be smart. Yeah, <laughs> right now, because everything matters. Everything counts. You know, there is no, unless you got extra pockets of money somewhere, what you have is what you're working with. So you want to be very smart with how you're managing um, for myself personally um, speaking, I looked at what my spending had been prior and looked at where all the excess was, at least what was excessive to me now. And those are the things I went first to. Those are the things I started immediately just taking out. I didn't need to go get my nails done every week. You know, I'm in a pandemic. Where was I going? You know, I looked at what made sense for my life. Um, and, and I looked at the areas that I was saving because of the pandemic. You're not traveling back and forth to work. You're not spending in those areas. So you're you're kind of moving your money and you're kind of making it go to where it matters most. What do you say, Ida? I w I'm going to tell you the number one thing, budget, is you eat your money. 
you mm. eat honey. So the first place you want to look is cutting back um, food. If you, I can almost guarantee you, everyone I talk to, and, and we we have these like financial coaching things, six hundred dollars. It's a single person. $600 on food, $900 on food, $1,200 on food. And they don't even realize it because right now everything is a swipe or a click on a computer. They don't even know. Lunch every day is $20. Um, so I'm going to tell you to look at your food budget first, cut back, make some pots of spaghetti that lasts a week. <laughs> you know, you cut back there first. You might want to cut back on some of your streaming services. So you might just only have Netflix right now. Cut back on Hulu and Amazon and HBO and Showtime and even maybe cut cable. I cut cable. I feel this is great. Um, you can probably lower your cell phone bill by changing to a different provider. You know, everybody loves Verizon because they are really good. They probably will work underground, but other there are other cheaper providers. Um, where else could you? Some things are fixed. You're not going to be able to change your rent and your your light and gas. Maybe a little bit. I remember Oprah said, "Unplug all the things that you're not using." I it did work. I, I will tell you that. <laughs> the, I, I did notice my like I unplugged things like the toaster and. I mean, did it, I, I felt like it helped because I listened to Oprah. There are some people who said it doesn't make a big deal. I feel like I saved $30 a month by unplugging the lamps and things that was I wasn't using every day because it was just sitting there siphoning yeah. energy, um, even though. That's so funny. what else? I, I'm trying to think. The main thing, really, I all, the culprit is always people eat their money. I mean, some people shop their money away, but I don't run into as many people. But there are a few people that shop a lot, Amazon, ordering everything. So maybe they might want to cut back on that and stick to the bare essentials um, for for now while they're not um, working, if they're um, not working right now. But those are the key things I would say. I was just thinking about, you know, someone, sometimes we say, but I can't afford to save. You know, I can't afford to say, but what you shared really does um, give that we really have to get real with ourselves. I think there's an introspective work that has to happen. And so a lot of what we're talking about is surface. But talk a little bit about what has to happen kind of in the mindset, right, to really do this and, and, and execute on this. I think there's some barriers that you got to get past in order to really even get there. I, I would say for me, the mindset shift was when I learned about um, FIRE. I'm not sure if anybody in the audience would be familiar with the FIRE movement, but it's called um, FIRE because it stands for Financial Independence, Retire Early. So I learned about this in probably 2017. It really shifted my mindset. And so the premise behind it is that you kind of try to cut back your expenses as much as you can and save as much as you can in order to be able to leave the workforce um, earlier than the typical retirement age of 65. And so I was like, oh, I want to do that because I want to be on somebody's beach at like 45, you know, so yeah. that, that was all I needed. And so now I've been saving so much. Not that I was a big, big spender before, um, but I had some things I could work out, some things I needed to cut. And so I, I started shaving, especially, like I said, the food, shopping, things like that, clothes, things like that. And I started putting a lot into my, which I have a 403B because I'm a teacher, um, and and trying to max that out. I've been trying to like max that out every year, every year, um, so that way I can retire early. And so that was the mind shift. The mindset shift for me was being able to be off out the rat race sooner mm. by yeah. optimizing, you know, cutting my spending and bringing in 
you know, saving more money. Yeah. Yep. So it's a thought process. It's a change in the way we think and see our future in our life, not just day to day and paycheck to paycheck. And that's the reality that we know is so real um, now more than ever. Uh, and so this is the time, right, that we get to kind of sit still. I know for me, this was sit still year in 2020 because all I knew was working and then running and I'm doing this. And now suddenly I'm working from home and and homeschooling and I'm like, okay, who am I? What what do I like? What do I do? You know, I had to sit still long enough to hear myself longer than a carpool trip home, right? And so um, that that's great, great, great feedback. I wanted, I was thinking about uh, Desiree, question for you, um, your background in comptroll and comptroll. I wanted to understand, tell us a little more about what that career was like for you and kind of how how you've been able to utilize that with that that skill set yes so i started out believe it or not when i would just you go away to college you're figuring out what you're going to major in and um i had no other than i knew i wanted to go out and i wanted to be in business i didn't really quite know where i was specialized. And I landed in advertising and marketing. Uh, my first job out of school was in PR. And, and that's still sort of like the marketing kind of, you know, area of advertising. Um, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved being in a creative environment doing what I did, which was numbers and finance and sort of the box, you know, those square people in a corner. But because I worked in a creative environment, it encouraged me to think creatively. And I think that was the most important and key thing I learned from my background in advertising, how to think outside the, not just look at, okay, we're putting together a profit and loss for a company, but let's look a little bit deeper. You know, let's go beyond the surface stuff, which is sort of what most companies just expect. Show me and serve me up the surface. You want to dig a little deeper and you want to get the nuggets of what makes company tech what's the culture behind it and all of that is monetized when you think about it you know when, when you're working for a firm um or you're looking for a firm you know you're i, I want to find a new ad agency it's not just what product you deliver because that's important but who's delivering this product so what's the ethics behind it what's the moral behind it and um a lot of people don't kind of get into that because you just kind of want to work but it's important where you who you work for do you feel good about what you and I just think I was really grateful to end up um, in companies that I, it, it helped me about what I did and, and stretched my thinking. It allowed me to think and exposed me to things that um, I'm so incredibly grateful for now. Um, having that, as Theo said, now that I'm sort of retired, it sounds so crazy to say it because I feel like I'm too young to retire, but sort of semi-retired. I'm sort of in this moment where I'm figuring out how to use those skills. How do I translate those skills into something new? Um, and I'm believing God for that. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm still at that place. I haven't gotten there yet. I'm in a process and um, I think of it as being on the wheel. You know, God is still fashioning me but he's using everything that he's already put in me and now he's setting me up for whatever this is and i'm just in preparation mode whatever that is i'm i'm ready lord Jazz is fire and she didn't know it <laughs> i didn't even know it i was so sad i got laid off from my job because i want to be completely transparent i've been there 17 years and um and i think it was time to go but i didn't want to go 
but I had to go and um, it hurt me so bad. It really did. So I missed that moment of like, hey, you know, I, I, I can take this time and really sit back and relish it. And instead, I really beat myself up. You know, if I'm going to be real, I beat myself up. I was very depressed and I, you know, I felt my worth was tied to this job and I didn't know that. So this was God showing me something I wasn't even aware of, that my job was a bit of an idol in my life that I didn't even know. And by him taking that all away, it showed me who I was. I wasn't what I did. I am who I am because that's what he created me to be. But it took time, I'll be honest, for me to get there. I wish I was more of the fire and I would have rested, you know, a bit more in those early days. But it is what it is. Passion projects. That's what a lot of people in the fire community, they don't necessarily retire, retire, like to never earn another dollar, but they just decide that they want to do it for their heart, like what they want to do. So my, maybe they always wanted to help kids or or paint I don't know whatever it is but you have you're able to do that because you set the financial and that became my not to cut you off my um my new job became my family my family became my job is able now to do things I wasn't able to do before because I was just so busy and so tied up and not that I didn't have the desire to do it. I just didn't make the time because everything else was so important. And now I have nothing but time but for my family. And I am still amazed at how God is even using me in that area too. So yeah, so, so, different so, kind of job. So let's just shift focus just a, a little bit here now. Um, um, you know, you go online and you see all these, um, I guess I'm going to phrase it as, uh, pandemic businesses is what, it, uh, what I'm going to call it. I guess that if that's what it is, uh, you see people finding these um, think these skills that they uh, thought they did not have because they were so tied down to a corporate job, and now they are laid off. They find all these other skills that they have, so they're starting these little um, little pandemic businesses. Um, and I know you you have a background in, in business planning there. So so walk us through this because, uh, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to start a business and I'm just going to just run with this and figure it, out, figure it out as I go along. So um, talk to us from your perspective of business planning, especially in this time. Well, business planning is so key to any company, but particularly if you're going to start a company right now in the middle of a pandemic, because um, these are uncharted territories. Like this is, we've never been here before and we're all sort of figuring it out as we go. But the businesses that are surviving are the ones that can pivot. Those that, um, even for those who are trying to come um, onto the market, if you have an idea that's providing a need and you can do it online um, because more and more people are shopping online they're spending more time online those are the kind of businesses that you want to get involved with because there's um it's it's so tangible and it's it's possible um my sister uh, my niece has just started a business in the pandemic and um it's if you're going to do it i i say definitely start with a business plan because it's going to focus your thinking what exactly do you want to do here um if you're looking for outside investors they're going to require a business plan um it forces you truly to sit down and think about 
what am I offering? What kind of product? What kind of service? What does that mean? What is my competition? Um, is there already a market for that? Is it something that I can kind of push into? Does it exist? Is there room? Um, can it be expanded? But it, it forces you to ask those questions up front before you jump in. Um, you just think of it as sort of a blueprint that you're creating. Um, a roadmap for your company. And if you want it to be a successful roadmap, then you're going to plan it. And that planning takes time. Um, and that's what a business plan is a tool. And um, I like to think of it as birthing a baby. You know, you put that time and effort into it. And at the end, you're going to get something beautiful. It lives, it breathes. It just doesn't become a static plan that you don't refer to again. Um, if it's a truly successful business plan, you're constantly going back to it, tweaking it. Um, modifying it, but um, certainly in a pandemic, uh, it would be helpful just to have an idea of what, what am I doing? How do I get into it? And um, I wouldn't necessarily go with a full formal business plan for um, some of these um, startup businesses that are happening online. If you can just get a really strong executive summary that's explaining what your idea is, um, how it's being financed, and then have a couple of attachments that investors can see that they're investing in something that's going to be um, tangible, it's in good hands, that they can use it, uh, or they trust that you know what you're doing. That's a business plan that should incite trust on whoever's reading it on the other end. Now, now I'm a, I'm a, um, I love Shark Tank, but um, when I look at it, I think that some of these guests on Shark Tank gets ripped off. So, what is a good percentage of your business that you uh, you should be okay with giving up when you're trying to get investments? It really depends on what you need, truly, because if you're coming into this with some financial backing, um, with the intellectual property already, all of that already in, then you may not want to give up more than 50% or a large portion of your business because you're bringing a lot to the table. But if you are, um, you have an idea, but you don't have the finances, then you're going to have to probably give up a, a big portion of it because that idea without the money to push it through can be that can be somewhat challenging. Would you say that, Ida? Oh, yes, yes. So I've watched our thing too, I love it. <laughs> um, and, and the thing about it, I guess, you have to consider, will this, will you be able to do it without the money? So if you have this plan and you don't have the money, so you then you have 0% of nothing or 100% of nothing, right? Because it never, or you can have 50% of $5 million because they get your product on C, What's that? Everybody? QVS? C and CBS, yeah, right? Uh, so you can have 50% of a lot or 100% of a little if you're not able to take it off yourself. So I guess it's also probably an ego thing too, because it's hard to like, this is my baby. I've been, you know, I've been thinking about this this whole time. But if you have some kind of crazy invention that you can't get from here to the physical, from your brain to the physical um, piece, then I don't know. So I agree with that. It ha it ha there's a lot, too many moving parts to say what would be a good amount because every idea now, if it's just, if it's something else, like baking mm -hmm. cookies, you know what I'm saying? And now you just want to bake more cookies. So you just need enough money for a new space. That's different than you have a prototype of some, like the ring doorbell, you know, they were on there. They, were on there. they, would, they did not give it up. They did not. They went and found another way to do it. Right. Um, so it, it, it depends. 
are you just going Shark Tank to get exposure? I never, never said anything, right? Yeah, that happens yeah. to some people too. <laughs> I even have the thing, the number one thing that was sold on Shark Tank. The sponge, what was it? The smiley sponge. Oh, the yellow Smiley's sponge thing? <laughs> Did you know what I'm talking about? I've yes. seen it, yeah. Never it bought expands, it. It expands, right? Is it the expanding sponge? It's some, I'll show it to you. Oh, well, we are. I'm sorry. We can't show it. Yeah. And you have like little finger holes, right? Yes. Uh, I know what you're talking about. That was the number one um, best selling ever. What? Thing sponge ever. Daddy? Something like that? Yes. <laughs> Is that the name? Something Daddy. Yep. Something like that. So, so is there a specific tool or reference or source you could recommend um, as a go-to for uh, a starting point to create a business plan? It is an overwhelming task, which it can be if you're going to do a full formal business plan. Um, don't be discouraged because there are a ton of tools out there. If you just simply type in Google business plan, there are tons of templates and tools and, and also information to help you decide what type of business plan makes sense for you and for the company that you're trying to start. Um, if you're already a business that's already established, you may not want a you, maybe you started your business without doing a real formal business plan, but now you're looking at expansion plans. So it's going to be slightly different, um, but there are templates for all of that online. Um, it's, it's a ton of information. And the important thing is just just know that it can be done. Don't become overwhelmed by it. It's it's many people have done it and it's just it's worth it's a bit of work, but it is worth it in the end for your company. Everybody's trying to figure things out in this pandemic. And the biggest problem um, a lot of Americans are having is stretching their dollar in this pandemic. How do we stretch our dollar? So I think that um, I realized in this pandemic that price shopping for the best price or looking up the best price is so important. I was buying something, some face skincare cream. It was $14 at Target and $23 at CVS. The same <laughs> exact cream. And this is what a lot of, and then sometimes Target is not the cheapest place. So now I check Amazon, Target, and CVS for everything. And then when you are um, shopping for food, coupons. Coupons are your best friend. It takes some patience, I will say. <laughs> but coupons will stretch your dollar. If you don't live in New York, coupons go even further because other places will let you stack coupons and things like that. Sometimes they end up giving you money when you leave the store. So also shopping at places like Aldi's, I, we don't have that in New York, so I don't know where, the, where your listeners are from, but if you live in like New York. I got one. Hmm? I got two. So that is, if I had all these, that would be my first stop. And then whatever I can't get from there, maybe then mm. I would look into the paper and go to ShopRite. Because the price is very, it's just so crazy. I don't even know why it's legal. When I saw that with Target and CVS, I said, how how can they even do this? How? You know, and and um, then Amazon definitely is not always the cheapest. A very you have to be so careful with Amazon because Amazon lets other, you can be a seller on Amazon. So you're not necessarily buying from Amazon. You can buy from Joe Schmo on Amazon. So if Joe Schmo has this a pen and they want to sell it for $15, they can, even if it's in the store for two, you know, and if you're just right. lazy and want to click all that and just buy it, then yeah, 
you you know so uh looking at prices at different places taking a couple extra seconds to look at the circulars when they're delivered on sunday if you get circulars and say okay you know uh orange juice is two for five over here but it's 4.99 for one over there so i'm gonna go here get these products here and then i'm gonna go there it takes a little bit more it does and so sometimes i don't have the patience and you may not but if you're trying to stretch a dollar then it might take a little bit more of those patients and like i said all these trader joe's sometimes is very um affordable if you're single or like a, just a pair maybe two people i find it hard to shop at trader joe's for a family because the portions are so small so everything you buy you need like four of them to make one set <laughs> she's so right but if it's just one or two people you can definitely probably eat for a whole week on 50 dollars in there um so those also food pantries, you know, those are like, look for local. There's so many of those popping up. Um, certainly in my area, I'm living in an inner city. I don't know where folks are listening in from, but find a good food pantry. They have a lot of fresh vegetables that are sourced locally. And um, I, I, listen, I have no shame, you know, if I can get some good produce and, and it's there. Absolutely. Take advantage of that. What a show today. Uh, we are we have really tapped into some areas. I hope that our listeners will really take um, these tips and tools and use them. Start somewhere. That's my advice. Start somewhere. Just start. <laughs> Whatever you do, just start. Desiree and Ida, we're so grateful that you joined us today. And we want uh, you to tell our listeners where they can find you. So Desiree, let us know where we can find you and um, Ida as well. Sure, sure. If you want to reach out to us, um, you can do so via email at DesireeWhite2021 at gmail.com. And that's spelled Desiree, D-E-S-I-R-E-E, White, W-H-I-T-E. 2021 at gmail.com. And that's for anything? For anything, yes. And then we'll make sure that Ida, I'm sure there's lots of information. I'll make sure it's funneled to her as well. We All right, ladies. Thank you for being with us. And we do you. appreciate it. Thank you. you. And we'll talk to you guys you. next time. Yes. And you've been listening to Free Talk Radio. Nikki, tell our listeners where they can reach us. You can reach us by sending an email to mrfreetalkradio at gmail.com. You spell out the Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R, freetalkradio at gmail.com. And remember that we will never share your information. It is safe with us. Reach out. We want to hear from you. Hey, you may want to be a guest on our show. We're looking for extraordinary people that are doing real stuff for our everyday lives. So join the crew, join the crowd. Uh, and thanks, Theo. Thank you for joining us on Mr. Free Talk Radio Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. For more content, be sure to follow us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and anywhere podcasts are available. To stay updated on the latest content release, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Soon we'll be coming to a YouTube channel near you. If it is real talk, it's on the Free Talk Radio podcast. We hope to see you soon.